Hey, good evening. Let me start this way. If you didn't get an outline, if you'd raise your hand uh, tonight, that'll be kind of a, a guide map as we go through this study together. And I know some guys out there have a big old stack of them. So if you guys would just raise your hands, ladies and gentlemen, uh, who don't have an outline, and I know there's some around here. Thank you, Spencer, and all the other guys who helped. I saw Hardison and Alan Cantrell and uh, Greg Arnold. Thank you guys for helping me out. I know that's like the greatest job in the world, and the pay's great. But anyway, thanks for doing that. A couple of things uh, housekeeping-wise before we get started tonight. Uh, The first thing I want to tell you about is something exciting coming up in two Sundays from now. Uh, We're going to have a meeting that basically I'm calling Regroup Youth Group. And uh, it's going to be for anybody and everybody who's interested in the youth program. That's parents, youth workers, kids in the youth group from 6th grade to 12th grade. If you've got kids that age or if you're interested in working with kids that age, that meeting is for you. And that's coming up in two Sundays. And we're basically just going to regroup, get acquainted with some new people who've moved up into the program, kind of the 6th grade family that's the 6th grade families that's just moved up. And uh, we're all just kind of going to get on the same page. So that'll be taking place in two Sundays. Second thing is this. Um, tonight, after services, if just a few of you men would stick around, this table right here needs to be moved. Uh, the Lord's Supper table needs to be moved for the funeral that's going to be taking place here on Tuesday. If you caught that announcement, uh, that's for Ian uh, Dobson's brother. Uh, so if you guys could help us out with taking care of that after services, that would be great. Third thing is this. Thank you so much for the, uh, the kind comments that you made after the message this morning. Uh, this was pretty cool. I, I talked to Jerry Reynolds a few minutes ago. And uh, where are you at, Jerry? There you are, all the way in the back, waving his hand. Uh, Jerry Reynolds told me, he said, it's interesting that um, you, you brought up the, the strange stories of wills. He said, my great, 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 great grandfather. All right, I get it, four greats. He willed that his body be embalmed with a special kind of salt. This is so weird. Get ready. Be be embalmed with a special kind of salt so that he could be placed as a mile marker on the side of the road pointing the way to Utah, Alabama. Weird. Weird stuff. I can't make that stuff up. Now, if you drive towards Utah, Alabama, I don't think you'll see him because that's just creepy, right? But... uh, I don't think they honored that request necessarily, but he did say, I wonder if we, if we dug him up, if they embalmed his body anyway, and he's doing this, you know, <laughs> so I don't know. Good luck with that, but uh, tonight we're going to be in Luke chapter 10. I hope you'll take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 10 um, to what I think is one of the most applicable stories in God's word that really says a lot to me. And it really speaks to me in a a great way. And I I know that it will speak to you in the same way. Before we get there, a question to kind of set the mood. What if Jesus came to your house? What if Jesus came to your house? Hold on to that thought. Here we go. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. Now it happened as they, talking about Jesus and his disciples, as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. All right, so imagine that you get word, just in our modern day story here, imagine that you get word that Jesus is driving a 15 passenger van down I-40 East, all right? And, uh, and, and, just so, and it just so happens that 
that Jesus decides to exit because half, after all, who, who would you want to be driving the van, all right? So Jesus decides to exit on, a, on exit 226, and, uh, and Jesus is passing through Mount Juliet. And I don't know where you all live, so I'll just set this up uh, as if it were me. And it just so happens that when Jesus gets off of that exit, he, he takes Belinda Parkway. So he's in the Providence area. And not only that, he drives past Target, much to the disciples' dismay, because you know they'd want to go to Target. So, and not only that, he continues down Belinda Parkway, and he turns on to our street. Wow. Jesus Christ is not only in your city, he's literally in your area, coming your way. So what do you do? What would you do? You'd want to meet him, right? And so you have this great idea. I know. I'll have Jesus over to my house. And, uh, and what a great idea, right? Or is it? Because, wait a minute, I've got to pick up the living room, all right? And, uh, oh man, there's the laundry that's sitting out that I haven't gotten to yet. There's dishes in the sink. There's that smell coming from the guest room. Don't know what it is. I've got a vacuum in my house. And, and, and you know, it's just, and then your mind begins to race even more. And, wait a minute, Jesus Christ is coming to my house. I've got to prepare some food. What should I prepare? Um, I don't know, fish. They like fish. Maybe they get sick of fish, though, because they're fishermen. Uh, And maybe I'll make my peanut butter pie, but then again, what if Bartholomew has a peanut allergy? That would just be messy. So, um, and so your mind is racing, and you're about to have the Son of God at your house, and you begin frantically making preparations, and somewhere between taking out the trash and making the bed, the doorbell rings. Let's continue reading. Verse 39. And she had a sister called Mary. Oh, good, a sister. How could you forget your sister? At least there's help, right? At least there's somebody to help you get these things ready. After all, what are sisters for? And you're about to hand your six-page uh, to-do list to her. And by the way, just a, a quick side note. This isn't Mary, the mother of Jesus, that we're reading about here. This is a Mary from a different family. Uh, I think we learn more about this family than any other family in the entire New Testament. Um, of course, we know that Mary and Martha that we're reading about in this story are sisters. But we read on to discover that they have a brother named Lazarus. You probably heard of him. He was the man that Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus loved this family, and he was very close to them. So let's read on in verse 39. She had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. How could she do this to you? After all the things that you know you've got to get done, nobody knows how to push our buttons quite like our siblings, right? Nobody knows how to drive you crazy quite like they do. They know just what to do. I have a younger brother and I know and I knew how to get on his nerves and he knows how to get on my nerves. Siblings know each other very well, but put yourself in Martha's shoes here. Mary is your sister. She knows how you get about your stuff. All right. She knows how you get about your house and, and about your, your house guests. She knows about your alphabetized, color-coded to-do list. She knows all of that, but there she sits. Verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left, to serve, left me to serve alone? Therefore tell her to help me. That sounds valid. Right? I mean, that's the least that she could do is help. And after all, if you could get Jesus to boss your sister around, that's like, that's like the ultimate put down, right? 
But verse 41, what's Jesus say instead? And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Jesus. I, I, don't, I don't think you understand. You see, I'm the victim here. Mary is the one who's missing the point here. If you'll notice page 9 under the letter S of my alphabetized to-do list, it clearly states that Mary's supposed to sweep all floors. So if you don't mind telling my sister to, to get to work, that'd be great. But that's not what Jesus says at all. In fact, it's the exact opposite. It's, it's Martha who gets corrected and it's Mary who gets commended. Why? What's up with this? Let's take a closer look at what's going on here. But before we get there, I want you to know that the things that we're studying here tonight aren't things that I've gotten under control. And, uh, and I believe this story in the Word of God was written for me. In fact, in the margins of my Bible, I, I may have more notes to myself in this passage than I do anywhere else in, in my entire Bible. So you'll hear some of those notes tonight. And so, two sisters. One is Martha... One is Mary. One is crazed. One is praised. Now, I know that this is a story of two ladies, but, but men and guys, I guarantee you that you will connect with one of these two personalities that we're going to see. One of these characters is going to connect with you. I don't know which one it will be, but that'll be up for you to decide. So go back with me to verse 40. Verse 40. This is a very gender neutral story that we're reading. Remember, Martha has just invited Jesus into her home. Mary's sitting down at Jesus' feet. And here's what God's word has to say. Verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Now let's stop right here. Do you mean, do you really mean that it's possible to get distracted by service? Do you really mean that it's possible to be distracted by service? Think about that for a minute. We talk a lot about service, right? Service is a good thing, correct? Um, we do service projects. Jesus himself would even say, talking about himself, that the Son of Man came to what? Not to be served, but to serve. Matthew 20, verse 28. Service is a good thing. We're commanded to do it. But look at this verse because it says what it says. It says Martha was distracted with much serving. Apparently, we can become so focused on the idea of serving that it literally distracts us from what's truly important. Did you catch that? You can become so engulfed, so whelmed by service that you can miss the point totally. How can that be? Well, obviously we have the scenario given here, but let me give you some other possible scenarios that this might could happen. It didn't happen here, but I remember on one occasion a family signing up to host a high school devotional at their house. I was pretty excited about the fact that they did that because um, they were hosting and I was excited about it because they weren't a family that was like really, really committed and I thought that this would be a stepping stone towards seeing them become more faithful. So I was naturally excited about that. And so, anyway, Sunday evening rolls around and it's 6 o'clock. 
we're all at worship and it's time for evening worship. And I begin looking for this family and, and they're nowhere to be found. And the closing prayer is led and I thought that was a little weird that they were nowhere to be seen. And, and as it would turn out, they skipped worship to get their house ready. And I remember thinking to myself, wait, wasn't there a Bible story about this very idea? I believe their service distracted them from what was truly important, the worship of God. Now I've got two more examples, and these, these aren't easy ones to bring up. Um, but I'm telling you that these happen, and that these are two big problems at some places. And now, honestly... I have no idea if they're a big problem here or not, to be honest about it. Um, I'm not saying these two things in order to cast stones at anybody here, okay? Have I prefaced that enough? Have I disclaimed it enough? Um, Because honestly, again, I don't know if they happen here, so don't hate me for what I'm about to say. If I can get away with saying that, that, you know, here we go. I think a lot of churches have two problematic areas of service that are, that are a, a distraction in a lot of ways. Please, please hear me out before you get too excited. I think that in some churches, there are two problematic areas of service that can be distractions. They are being a, quote, usher and helping, quote, helping in the nursery. Being an usher and helping in the nursery I know churches where men, and I'm sorry men, but after all, we are the ushers. I know congregations where like, the men will sit in the foyer, and they'll talk about baseball, and they'll talk about football, and they'll talk about politics, and they'll talk about their week, and, and anything else really you can think of other than the worship that's going on in the auditorium. They're going to talk about it. They don't worship. They don't listen. They, quote, serve by sitting, by talking, and by laughing. That's tough to say. Now, are ushers important? Is it important that we have men serve in that way? Yes. Yes. But that service, if we're not careful, can become a distraction. The nursery is is the same way in a lot of places. Now, I know the nursery is a different environment. Trust me. I know it's a different environment. I hear about women, and I'm sorry, but just like I said, the men are ushers. Many times it's... The nursery is primarily the place where you see women. So I hear about women using their kids' playtime in the nursery as a time for them to play instead of singing or praying or participating in the service to the best of their ability. And again, I know the nursery is a totally different environment, but I promise you it gets abused in that way. I promise you it does. Taking care of children is important. It's an important service. Believe me, remember, I'm a youth minister. I know that, okay? But if we're not careful, we can get caught up and distracted by service, just like Martha, and we can miss what's truly important. Let's go back to verse 40. Did I step on some toes? Let's go back to verse 40. Let's see what else is going on with Martha. She says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Whoa, Martha. (laughs) Do you not care? I mean, did she forget who she's talking to here? Those are strong words. She's not just upset with her sister, is she? Who is it? Not only is she upset with her sister, she's questioning whether or not the Lord cares for her. I mean, do you hear the self-pity in that statement? 
she goes on to say, Jesus, make her help me. And she's acting kind of childish, isn't she? Acting kind of childish, if you ask me. But instead of Jesus doing that, we get verse 41 one more time. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. I want you to notice the way Jesus answers Martha here. I think there are two key words in his reply. They are the words many and one. The words many and one. He says, Martha, you're worried about many things. That's true, right? Remember that checklist in her mind? Martha, you're worried about many things, but you missed the one thing. You're worked up about many things, but only one thing needed your attention. And he goes on to say, Mary chose the one thing. And it was the only thing that mattered because it won't be taken away from her. The thing that she chose won't be taken away from her. Martha, the cleanliness of your house will be taken away from you again. The meals that you prepare, they'll be eaten. There'll be more meals to prepare. The dishes won't stay clean. The floors will need to be swept again. Your chores and your work will always be there. But Martha, I won't. And the time that Mary spent listening to Jesus was priceless. He says, my words will never pass away. Mary will cherish that time forever and that time will never be taken away from her. As we begin to wrap things up tonight, you've probably already figured this out, but what we really have here are two different people with different priorities. Two different people with different priorities, two different mindsets. You've got Martha. Martha is the task-oriented one. She's running around like crazy trying to make sure all the bases are covered. She wants to get, she wants to get things done. She's in a panic. She's getting more and more flustered and, and frustrated as her list keeps piling up. She's anxious now, even troubled. And she's rushing around, just crossing items off her checklist. Yet all the while, Jesus is sitting in her living room. She's task-oriented. So task-oriented that she ignores the thing that's the most important. She's ignoring the one that she's doing all these things for. Can you relate? Have you ever missed the point like that? Have you ever been so wrapped up in your work that you neglected your coworkers? Have you ever been so caught up in making money that you neglected your family? Have you ever been so consumed with yourself that you neglected your spouse's feelings? Ever been so distracted that you ignored a friend who needed you? Ever been so focused on something that that you completely missed out on what was the most important thing? Martha's task-oriented. But then there's Mary. And Mary's not concerned about the things that Martha is concerned about. Her mind's in a different place because her mind... Her mind's in a different place, and so's her body, right? Because the things that are on her mind have taken her where? To the feet of Jesus. She's not in the kitchen. She's sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to him. Mary seems to be more relationship-oriented, if that's fair to say. So you see, Mary was someone who understood just how important that Jesus was. Our time is disappearing, but very quickly, why does this story matter to my life? Here's the application. I hope you've... Stayed with me, but here's, here's where we send it home. The life lessons of our message this evening. Life lesson number one, which one are you in the story? Are you Martha or are you Mary?
Which one are you in the story? Are you Martha or are you Mary? Yes, the characters are women, but the principles are gender neutral. Are you more like Martha or are you more like Mary? I have to admit that in my Bible, next to the heading Mary and Martha, I have written the words Philip and Dustin. All right? That doesn't mean a lot to you, except you know that I'm Philip. Uh, Let me tell you a little bit about the other guy in this photograph. Some of you know uh, my good friend Dustin Perkins, who, uh, who served as a youth intern here. Uh, a few summers back, and uh, Dustin and I worked together for two years in Savannah, and um, that was before I moved here, and man, we had, we had a lot of fun. I couldn't have asked uh, for a better friend and co-worker during that time in my life, but something I learned very quickly from Dustin is that he and I were very different in our personalities and in our styles of ministry. Uh, I was always the more, the more organized, uh, methodical multitasking, task-oriented worker. But Dustin, on the other hand, and if you know anything about him, this, this is him. Dustin was more of a, a free spirit. He was more relationship-oriented. He'd, he'd take his time with things. In fact, there, there was a long list of people that he would call up on any given day and say, hey, you want to go to lunch? <laughs> he was great at building friendships. And I even noticed that there was this other list of people that he could call and say, hey, you want to go fishing? Or you want to go hunting. And he, he visited people constantly. And he was, he was at the office all the time. And it was never uncommon for, for people to just come over to the office and just visit with him and hang out. But I walk across the office. But walk across the office. And there I would be with my computer, like working on a class or a sermon or a lesson or brainstorming an idea. Sometimes I'd even shut my office door to work. Not once do I remember Dustin ever shutting his door. It just didn't happen. It never bothered me. I never grew jealous. We were good friends. And, uh, but honestly, but honestly, I wondered, sometimes I'd wonder what he worked on during the day. Now I know it was people. I remember reading this story one day when it dawned on me. I'm like Martha. I get caught up in many things. I get distracted. And I instantly thought of the example of of Mary's heart just just down the hallway in the office next door. I needed to take a lesson from Dustin. Yes, some of us relate more to Martha at times. We miss the point. But others of us are are more prone to have a heart like Mary's. And and that's the kind of heart that I want to have. Life lesson number two. Choose the best things. Choose the best things. I may have shared this with you before, and if I have, I'm sorry. Um, but it's, it's too great of a, of a point. One of the best pieces of advice that I ever received came from a man by the name of Don Doran. He's an elder at Savannah, and uh, he's a friend of mine who knows me very well. And there was one occasion where he said to me, Philip... You know, you do, a lot of, you do a lot of good things, but you need to choose the best things. That's great advice, because the principle comes straight out of the Word of God. When Jesus said to Martha, you've chosen to be consumed with many things, but Mary has chosen the one things. Elders, deacons, parents, teenagers, brothers and sisters, if we want to function the way that God wants us to function... We can't get caught up in the many things. 
We've got to seek and find that, that best thing. And we've got to keep it in front of us. We've got to look for that one thing. One more little nugget of wisdom from Dustin Perkins that I think is brilliant. Uh, and this is where the title of the lesson came from. He said, I like this. Sometimes I think that if we're not careful, we can have a Ryan Steakhouse ministry. It looks like we've got a lot of things to offer, but none of it's really good. <laughs> I thought that was good. I thought that was good. If, uh, if the CEO of Ryan Steakhouse is here tonight, I'm sorry for that. Life lesson number three from this story. Like Mary, we must learn to find ourselves at the feet of Jesus. Like Mary, we must learn to find ourselves at the feet of Jesus. The Bible gives us even more insight into the person that Mary is. In John chapter 11, we find that Mary was the woman who fell at the feet of Jesus weeping. Remember, using her own tears and using an expensive perfume uh, to, to anoint Jesus' feet. And he, she washed, uh, washed his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. And she kissed and anointed his feet with fragrant oil. She was the woman in Luke 7 that Bible, the Bible itself calls a sinner. You know it's a bad reputation if the word of God refers to you as a sinner, a sinful woman. But Jesus saw her brokenness. He saw her love. He saw her surrender. He saw her humility. And looking at her, he tells her, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. It's no wonder she's sitting at Jesus' feet in our story tonight. Mary was someone who truly understood just how important that Jesus was. I don't doubt that Martha knew that too, do you? I think Martha probably knew that, but still she got sidetracked, distracted by the things that weren't the most important thing. You know, we'd do well if we'd all sit still at the feet of Jesus. If we'd put down our phones, if we'd turn off the TV, if we'd put away the computer... And just sit still at Jesus' feet. Man, that has a nice ring to it. But you don't understand how busy I am. (laughs) There's no way that I could ever do that. I don't have time. I'm swamped. I've got all these things going on. Jesus would echo the same words to us. You're concerned about many things. But there's one thing that's needed. Choose the good thing which will not be taken away from you. Your TV, your money, your job, your career, yes, even your friends and your family will be taken away from you. But think about it. Your relationship with Jesus Christ will never die. Never die. It's the only thing that cannot be taken away from us. We'd all do well to spend some time letting Him teach us. Tonight, Are you troubled with many things? Have you gotten distracted? The one thing that you need is to be like Mary, falling down at the feet of Jesus, repenting of your sins, surrendering your life to Him. Or if you'd like to become a Christian this evening, we'd love to see you make that decision. Putting on Christ in baptism, having your sins washed away by the grace and by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Or it might be that you'd like to use tonight as an opportunity to ask for the prayers of this church as you strive to live each and every day for the one thing 
the one thing that truly matters, Jesus Christ. If we can assist you in any way, please come as together we stand and sing.